Welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about what it's really like to be a designer. Ay, 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 this week has been crazy. You can see with my hair up, this white streak of stress, <laughs> white from my hair. Uh, it, it, but it's something that just happens as a designer. It's it's part of the industry. It's part of the career. And you know, you guys, I, I always want to not scare you away from being a designer, but I want to tell you what it's really like. And we've had another challenging week. There's been so much change here um, and a lot going on, a lot of transition. And so things were coming up and we've been doing a lot of regrouping, a lot of meetings. You know, we've got to tighten things up. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to put our procedures in place. And it honestly doesn't matter if you're an independent designer or you're working with a partner or you're at a big firm. These are little things that as a designer, you know, in everyday life, it might be just a little detail, but when you're dealing with your client's money and you've already earned their trust and there's a lot of responsibility there, one missed check mark can cost you thousands. It could cost you your business. And so as we were going through this week and, and dealing with these things head on, we were making notes, not just blowing it off, not brushing it off, but saying, all right, this is something that's happening. Let's put a stop to it now. Let's make sure it never happens again. Because it's it's like life. You're going to make mistakes. There's always going to be something that you that you have accidents, you've overlooked something, you've forgotten something. But if you can learn from them <laughs> and put it into action, put it as part of your system. You know, I teach you my system. Well, take take what I'm teaching you and add it and you know, start writing down your system, making it really clear and defined. These are the steps that you have to do as a designer to get from, hi, I'd love to help you with your home, to yay, isn't it beautiful, let's pay me my final payment. <laughs> so I had a couple things that happened this week. Um, I did another final exam for someone that took my certification class, and that was fantastic. Stephanie, great job. And um, she made me think about some different ways to get clients and things like that, so I was going to touch base on that. But I really just kind of wanted to talk about what happened this week at the store, like day in the life of a designer. We started with, we're finally getting furniture in. It's only been, <laughs> what, counting back some of the stuff we ordered in March. One table we ordered last November, and we just got it today. Ironically, the client called one more time yesterday, and we had good news. So yeah, we finally got this table from last November. And you know, what can you say? At this point, everyone's dealing with the shipping industry. Everyone's dealing with with backlogs. And, and so we kind of just chuckle. <laughs> um, I've gotten much more honest with people when they come in. You know, so we had uh, Tuesday, we had, that was great. We started getting some furniture in and we had a woman come in um, who had bought some furniture from us about six months ago. Just, you know, that's the standard delivery time these days. And you could tell she started off really agitated. And I took my own advice and said, oh, you know, I'm so grateful that you're being patient. I really appreciate your patience because in our industry, this has just been unheard of. I mean, it, it's, it isn't one thing, it's another. It's, you know, it's the foam, it's the zippers, it's the backing of carpeting. And um, she said, well, I was told 
it, you know, that that it would be on a truck. And we well, we see that it left on the 1st of October on a truck. And yep, you're right. It should be here. But now we deal with trucking, right? Now we're having it. And so we talked about the, I said, gosh, it's like you see on the news with all of the trucking backlogs and people, you know, everything's bottlenecked and we can't get the product here. So we have product that's made in Ohio. We'll get shipped to North Carolina and then we'll sit in North Carolina for three weeks while they wait for a truck driver to drive it here. So, you know, I just told her the stories, just talked to her about it. And again, kept thanking her, you know, for being so patient and being understanding. And when she sees the furniture, it's going to be so gorgeous. She won't even remember the weight and, um, Luckily, her furniture came in the next day. So on Wednesday, we got 16 pieces of Norwalk furniture, which is upholstery. So that means 16 sofas. We got a couple ottomans and two chairs, but mostly sofas. And we don't have that much storage space. And again, it used to be that you get a design project and you know you, you've done your presentation and you sign your contracts and you you clothes that they've bought everything and you go to to sit down and make your orders, but you knew a typical um, shipping timeline. You knew essentially this is a lead time for this piece, this is a lead time for this piece. So we used to schedule it out. We would order, you know, Norwalk, Universal, our upholstery lines, we'd order those first because they took six to eight weeks. The next week we might order the case goods because that was going to take about five weeks to come in. Um, and down the line, you know, bedding and rugs came in in a week. So we could really schedule it. We could predict what our storage situation was going to be like. We can't do that anymore. Uh, so we're so grateful that all of this upholstery finally came in. They finally got the foam. Customers who've been waiting again since March, February, you know, for their furniture. And we're so excited. And then we noticed some mistakes. And, and that's what sort of led to this, this whole topic was the mistakes that happened were minor. They were, they were little details in the ordering process, but it's huge when a client's waited six months for their sofa and now the inserts are wrong on their pillows and it's a big wrong. They were supposed to be, it's a synthetic down, but it would be really squishy, soft, kind of melt into sofa. It's for their movie room. And instead, they put a standard foam in it as a box cushion. It's like a little mini mattress, and it's very stiff and upright. You don't sink into it. It doesn't mold to your body at all. It's just there. (laughs) And it's a gorgeous sectional. I mean, it's beautiful. It has built-in USB ports. It's going to be spectacular. The fabric's gorgeous. It's in a deep navy blue, really thick, wide, sort of a whale corduroy, um, but it's a velvet, so it's soft. Oh, I love this fabric. But these back cushions. So this is what I'm talking about. These these are kinds of things that, I mean, I've been, how many you know years have I done this? But it's still, still reminded of having a system, making sure you follow it, double checking, and then having checks and balances, having those in place. So this is, this is what we've learned from this and what I had the meeting with the designers, right? Um, the other, well, let me, let me interject. There was another issue. Um, uh, one of our design designers, I won't mention her name cause she's already very upset with herself that it was a mistake. Um, but this client had bought a huge house full of furniture, 
And it was kind of a fast design. Um, he wanted to pay in one lump sum at the end with everything, money ordered, you know, money transfer. So it was a big deal. And she had three full pages of items written out. Unfortunately, when that got transferred to the actual orders and the invoice for him to pay and that we order off of, there were three items that were missed. There was a little chair, there was a nightstand, and I think a small end table. So he didn't pay for them, but they're really part of the design. They were sold to him. He chose them. Um, without the chair going to be in the design, and I asked her, I said, is he going to notice? Is there that much furniture you won't notice? She said, well, the end table that goes next to the chair came in. <laughs> so the fact the chair is missing is going to be obvious. So at that point, what do you do? Well, you know, we check stock. They're actually in stock. I went ahead and ordered it because financially I, I, I can do that. As an independent designer, this would be tough. Um, she'd already gone back to him to say we missed the nightstand at the little table, and he was really upset. Because he didn't, he didn't want to get another chunk of money. He didn't want to, you know, we did money transfer, right? It was a big thing. So I figured I'm just going to buy the pieces. When we do the install, we'll put them in place, see if he likes them. If he does, he can choose to purchase them then. At least he'll get to see the whole design done. But it's totally our fault. And, and as a business owner, I can't eat that cost. I can't buy him, you know, two tables and a chair. Uh, but I know he wants the design complete, so we're going to try it this way. And luckily, again, I have, you know, the means to do that, to buy these pieces. But if you're independent, you just have to go back to them with your, you know, your hat in your hands and apologize quickly. <laughs> Thank you so much for your understanding. You know, mistakes happen. Gosh, we went through this so quickly and there were three pages. Uh, you know, it's, I, I should have caught it and you know, this is something that I understand. Um, we're going to go ahead and order them so that you can see them in your house. And if you'd like to purchase them, then you can. And at least it's not going to hold up anything if you decide later that you want them. It's not like you have to wait another six months for them. So, you know, give them a little concession, but you, that, that's what we're going to do. We're going to say, eh, sorry, like that's all you can do. What can you do? We're, we're human and we make mistakes. So this new rule, we said, we sat down and we said, okay, this has to be set in stone part of our procedure. We talk about the house call. We talk about selling and presenting. We talk about closing the deal. But you're not finished yet, right? Because you still want it to, to look beautiful when it's done and make sure you haven't made mistakes. So when you get that all written up, they're going to give you money. It's at the end of the presentation. This isn't the romantic fun part. This isn't, you know, romance. This is the business. So you can even say that. You say, all right. I'm glad you love everything. Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. Now, that was the fun part. Let me go over your paperwork with you and list out everything. All right, so we're doing one sofa in the brown leather. We're doing two chairs that swivel. We're doing you know, one end table, a lamp on the left-hand side, and you go through the items. That way, you're double-checking yourself and the customer's hearing it. Now, here's a little detail because we don't do this at our store either. And, and as an independent designer, whether you're handwriting your invoice or you're printing it out, I highly recommend you follow this. Uh, well, I don't know. It's a, not a rule, but it's it's a technique that we do. We list out on their invoice, invoice all of the items that make up their design. 
but I don't give them too much detail. I don't give them item numbers. I don't give them brand names. I don't give them SKUs. We don't do too much of what the manufacturer is giving us as far as information. We put in our own words and list it out so that when they get home, they're not going to be double checking and saying, wait a minute, I bought that as a four hands table. Hold on. Let me Google that and see if I can find it cheaper because that will happen. People will call you back and say, I found it at Wayfair or, or I found it. Oh, that happened at West Elm this week. So you don't give them too much information. But you get down to the bottom and you have one price. Now you can break it up into rooms. You could break it up into upholstery is this, case goods, this, window treatments, this. But if you start even itemizing each item with how much it costs, they start to question. You've, you know, you've, you've got them all built up and excited with your presentation and they're, they're, you know, imagining this beautiful. And then they start seeing reality. $250 for a lamp, $300 for a pillow. As you're going through, and if they're seeing the itemized prices, psychologically, that messes with people. They've given you a budget of $20,000, and you've stayed well within your budget, and they're fine with that. But when they start seeing itemized numbers, that's where they start to get scared. Sometimes people will ask for the itemized numbers, um, and we explain that we do it this way. You know, it's easier just to kind of digest when we do it design, um, you know, the furniture in groups, you know, we're definitely under budget. And then after they've, they've purchased everything and they've signed the thing that says they can't return anything because it's custom furniture. If they're really insistent, we will get them an itemized list. But beforehand, you just can't, you you will end up shooting yourself in the foot. It's not like you're hiding something. It is a psychological, psychological strategy when you're, when you're buying, you know, 50 items into one lump sum the overall price is really what they care about at the end of the day. And, you know, you'll see it both ways. Some people push back, some people don't. Um, but all of my years of experience, the more you can do it without itemized pricing, the better. But you've gotten through that list. This is the total. Here's an asterisk, little star. This either includes or does not include tax. This includes or does not include delivery. Uh, we get a lot of people that push back on that. When at the beginning, when we opened, we would sell the whole design. We would mention that we don't deliver. But we have a delivery team that we work with. It's a local uh, couple, uh, two brothers. They're fantastic, phenomenal. If you're in the Seattle area, we uh, can't speak highly enough of Enrique. They do true white glove delivery. They're phenomenal. But when we mentioned that when we'd sell the, the the presentation. But I guarantee you, when it comes and the, the furniture's finally there, they don't remember that. We've had more people get really upset. What do you mean you're charging extra for delivery? How did that not include delivery? And at first I started getting worried, like maybe I'm the only one that's charging for delivery. You know, maybe that's, that's not how they do it in Seattle. So I called every furniture store in town, Pottery Barn, Restoration Hardware, even the big ones. Everyone charges for delivery. Now here's where it gets confusing. They're not charging for shipping, Shipping's built into the price. If I'm going to sell them a sofa for $1,000, chances are I've bought it for a certain amount. I've added on the shipping. I've added on my markup. You know, whatever it else, maybe it's a receiving house you need to add. Um, you know, any of those other fees, you put that in, that's what you sell it to them for. Delivery something different. 
some people have a truck. Some people want to pick it up. Sometimes as a designer, you have a truck or a van and you can deliver it for free and that can be included, but here it's not. So when we're going over that first invoice, it has got to be at the bottom and initialed and signed. This does not include delivery. We can tell them again, we have a great delivery team, but they have to initial that. We did start with some people who said, well, I just want to spend all the money now. All right, well, we can estimate two hours. Um, if it's more than that, you're going to have to pay the difference, but we can add in two hours. We know what their going rate is, and we can put that in now and just make sure you make a note. So when you get to the end, you're not saying, you know, pay up. No, you said delivery was included. That's happened as well. But those little asterisks at the bottom of your invoice are very important. Those are things you need to stop, take time, get eye contact, make sure they're really hearing you, and initial if they have to. Because at the end of the day, this is going to be your money, your reputation, your skin at the, at the end of this. So right now is when you have these hard conversations. Let's say all of that goes great and they say, yay, and here's my money, here's my credit card, and they've paid for everything. Now you have to order all of those items. Here we have Jill. Jill's our angel. Jill saves the day. She's amazing. And she puts all of the orders but she's ordering for eight designers and each designer is working on, you know, five or six projects simultaneously. I have no idea how she keeps it straight, but she does a great job of putting all those orders in. Once you send off a purchase order to a client or to a, to a vendor, you know, you've got the money from the client, you fill out your purchase order, you're either going to email it or we used to fax them to vendors. Um, you'll get an acknowledgement back. The acknowledgement is the design world. It's their, the, the vendor's way of checks and balances. It's their own checks and balances. This is what you ordered. Is this right? Is this what you ordered? And you have to check your acknowledgements. So we have now put it in stone. You've gone through the invoice. You've sold it. You give your PO request form to Jill. She orders everything. And then you check your acknowledgements over the next week. And you better have a checklist of every one of those items on your PO request form. Did I find, did I get an acknowledgement? And did I look it over? With that sofa, with the, the cushions that were wrong, we had put it on, on purchase order request form. It was right. We charged the client the correct price. That was right. Jill wrote up the order. That was right. But there was one little box that wasn't checked um, I think it was, it was on the acknowledgement. There should have been a box that said premier cushions. I didn't catch that. That was my bad. This was a client that I had taken over. I, I should have caught that. And I had to remind myself, right? It's just those little details, that one little thing on acknowledgement. And these things are eye charts. They come through and it's, you know, every nail head color, you know, four different fabrics. You've got the leg color, you've got, the, but I didn't take the time and really go PO request form or PO and acknowledgement and make sure that it matched. So now I'm buying new inserts. Hopefully they have them because the foam and the cushions, that's what's causing the six month delay on furniture. Um, I'm, I'm fingers crossed. We're going to call again on Tuesday and I might have to have a local upholsterer make some. It, you know, it's that, it's that big of a deal because I want my client to be happy and I know what they paid for and what they purchased and that's not what they're getting. So that was part of this week. <laughs> The other thing that, that we've really been having to stay on top of, and again, it's another checks and balances thing. It's one of those that, that it's so easy to blow off, 
but it can cost you so much money if you if you don't catch the one mistake, right? We've been having all of our vendors change pricing. It started out as we're going to go up 10%. And then it was, we're going to go up another 10%. Then it was, we now have tariffs coming from China. So we have to add that on. Now there are fuel surcharges. And the latest was uh, one of our rug companies, Laloy, I love Laloy, but we now uh, got a notice that every rug over eight by 10, so the 10 by 13s, you know, nine by 11s, anything over eight by 10, we have to add another $30 for a, um, what, what do they call it? A high demand seasonal fee, $30 extra, which doesn't seem like a lot, right? But in a store like mine, when you're ordering 20 rugs a week, that would start to add up. And it's a little thing that came in an email that you would easily, you know, oh, it's just the trends for this week, or they're releasing a new line of rugs. No, it was talking about, we are now going to add $30 onto every single rug. So that was a little detail to catch, right? But all of the other things, all of the other pieces that we were pricing, Pierce, who's now my right-hand gal and a new designer that I'm training, so you guys are going to be hearing her, um, watching her grow and blossom as a designer, uh, but she's, she's been repricing the entire floor. And we had to get really clear. Again, there was a lot of confusion. Okay, this is the new price, but are we taking the surcharge and adding that first and then marking it up? Are we just marking it up? Are we doubling? Are we, you know, what, what are we doing? And we had to make some serious decisions right now. We're being slammed by all of these extra fees. And again, we can't afford to eat them. So it's important that we change our pricing, right? Uh, But making sure that we also made sure there was a little wiggle room because I'm expecting more you know, increased prices, more tariffs, more fuel surcharges, more, it it just keeps happening. And we can't reprice the entire floor. I would rather price it slightly higher and be able to have a sale if we get to the part we didn't have any, you know, any hikes in pricing. Um, But it's been really tricky. The designers have to go in every time, even if they see it on the floor, we've got a price, they need to go in and see what the new price is online because I have to know what I'm paying for it. Uh, there was one table, I think, that because we hadn't changed the price tag, the price had changed so much, I lost $800 on it. With a store, again, I, I'm, it's okay. If you're an independent designer, that's huge. You know, that's a big chunk of your money. $800 is nothing to sneeze at. So making sure that you're following up on the prices. It might be a rug. You know, you'll find a rug that you love. It goes with, you know, the latest trends, and you've sold it over and over and over again. you got to keep checking pricing. You never know these days. Stay on top of it. But it's those little attention to details that will completely swallow your profits in the end. Um, The other thing that's been happening, and I've talked to you guys about it last week, was uh, because we've had some designers leave, I'm hiring designers. But with those designers that left, the two designers that left, we now have an entire client load from them. Because furniture's taking so long, again, some of these clients, they started working with six months ago. And I went on a house call, two house calls today. Um, I'm going on a house call on Tuesday. I'm not supposed to do house calls anymore. Uh, I just sit behind the desk and push paper. I'm out here coaching the designers. But because of that, you know, I couldn't have another designer pick up. Uh, certain cases, if the client's going to keep buying, if they, if they have more projects, if they're going to be a client for life and 
you know, it's really involved, then by all means, I'm going to assign a different designer to them. But these are clients that have, for the most part, purchased almost everything. And we're right in the middle of their projects. Um, Connie, this morning, we finally got the wallpaper down. The painters have finally been in. Her hardwood floors got finished yesterday. And I brought the wallpaper installer in today to remeasure the wall. We're doing this beautiful blue grass cloth on um, to give me yardage. And because it's going to be a tricky install, what her fees are. I re- again, I couldn't really ask another designer to do that because, you know, they're not, they, they work for, uh, you know, their base pay and commission as most furniture stores and, and design centers do. Um, and so that wasn't going to be a, a future client for them, right? They, they're pretty much done. So I step in and I take over, but it's a lot of backtracking. I'm going through old files. I'm looking at old renderings and drawings and notes. You know, what was it they talked about? What was it that I should be aware of? What stage of this project are we in? What's coming next? You know, how do I wrap it up? All of those things are, are when you're, it's your client, right? You have a grasp of that. You're usually playing it over in your head and you know the person so well. But what if something happened to you? What if you got COVID? What if you got in a car accident? What if you changed your mind and didn't want to design anymore, but you had these clients? You know, making those files with your notes, with detailed notes, um, you know, fabric swatches, paint swatches, all of that together in one place will allow you to easily transfer it to someone else. If you needed another designer to step in and take over for you, it would be an easy transition and your client would still be satisfied. But if your notes are all over the place, if you're scatterbrained, if you do all of your um, designing by memory, that's going to be really hard if something happens. If for some reason that your client um, needed to work with another designer or, or, or even you've got a you know, a craftsman or a tradesman that's going to come in and like this wallpaper. If I didn't have the details, like it's just this wall, it's going to meet up with this. It has to match that. She's had problems here. Can we, you know, all of those little details, it would have gotten lost and the client would get frustrated. So taking good notes, it's never our strong point. It's never our favorite thing to do. The paperwork is never the fun part, but it's so critical to being a designer. So if you're thinking about being a designer, if you haven't started yet, be aware of this before you get into it. If you are a designer, you know, have your systems in place. You can't take enough notes and, and you know, bullet point them and bold. Um, anything that gets your attention that, that makes it easy to understand and, and clear and simple to follow so that if you ever need to pick it back up. This, this has actually come in handy too when you have a client that, let's say this client is done now, we've done the painting and all of that, but we didn't touch the upstairs guest rooms. We didn't add any furniture to our office. She may come back three years from now and say, remember that room you did? You know, we did that. We did some paint in the office. Um, I'd like to get new furniture or new art. I can pull out our folder and I have all the details there and I have all the paint swatches. Everything's in one place and it's an easy transition. It's not the fun and glamorous part of being a designer, but this is what will make you money and will prevent you from losing money, even more importantly. So through, you know, through all of these transitions and, um, you know, people coming and going, I'm really excited to, to uh, interview. I think I have four interviews set up for next week. And we still have almost 20 people to really go through and communicate with. Um, it's a big change, right? There's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. So I got to figure out where to store these 16 pieces of furniture till we can get them all delivered, till I wait for the new cushions to come in so then we can deliver it. Um, 
But I still love the job. I still love being a designer. I still smile every day coming to work. I just have to remember, you know, taking this as a professional, treating every aspect of it as a professional. So much of it feels like a hobby and feels like fun. But at the end of the day, I want you to make this a business. I want you to make money at it. I want you to be successful. And with that, you got to do the business side of it. Uh, I mentioned that I was working with uh, Stephanie, who did her final exam. Great job. And she got a new client. She was so excited. Um, she got her first client. I forget what she said. I think it might've been through Craigslist or, you know, word of mouth, um, on how she got the person, but she was talking to me about them. She says, well, it's not a really big project. You know, they really want to rearrange what they have and pick some paint color and maybe a new rug and some accessories. I thought that is the perfect first client. That's exactly who she should be working with. It, there's, there's fewer areas to make mistakes, right? She's not special ordering a lot. Um, it's a great way to really make someone happy and impress them with a, a short window of time because she can reuse their things. You know, rearranging can completely transform a house. Paint color, freshen things up. And then she gets the opportunity to go do the uh, accessory house call, right? Where you load your car with accessories that you've purchased and you save the receipts for. You do your install, you rearrange the furniture when it's all done, and you accessorize it so it looks like the cover of a magazine, and they buy what they like. Usually they buy almost, usually they buy everything. There might be one or two that you, that you take back, or things you didn't even need. When you got those, you know, I don't need 12 pillows, eight, you know, eight works fine. So as long as you have your receipts and you can return things that didn't work, fantastic. So I think this is a great first project. Again, there's not a lot of, uh, of um, room for error. She, I mean, there, there's tons of room for error because she could buy accessories for eight different styles. She could bring them in. She could look them. She could try and then take back what she's not going to use. Um, and again, there's no worrying about custom ordering furniture right now. So start here. It's a great starting place. And then every day, take one step forward. Just go a little bit further than you were. That's how you're going to get to your, your goal of having this great successful design business. Come join the crazy. Now, I'll just keep keep telling you guys honestly what it's like and teach you about red flags and things to look out for. You're still learning from my mistakes. You're still learning from my experience. Um, I'm just in another level where now I've got this big store and have designers that work for me. And hopefully you're going to learn about that as well along the way. So thanks, everyone. Please like and leave me comments. I love comments. Ask me questions. You know, what do you want to know? Do you want to see more videos of the designers? Do you want to see installs? Do you want to see our house calls? What is it that you want to see? Uh, let me know. And thumbs up and likes everywhere. Thanks, everyone, and happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, so stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and house at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.